0: Hi, this is Mark Rako. I'm the producer of Beauty is Your Business. Recently on Mouth Media Network, another one of our great shows, It's a Matter of, which is hosted by Beauty Matter founder Kelly Kovac, who's also been both a guest and a guest host on this show, had a great conversation with the founder of RMS Beauty, which offers natural makeup and skincare made with organic ingredients, Rosemarie Swift. And it was just such a incredible conversation. We thought that you should hear it here as well. So here is the full episode with Rosemarie Swift talking with Kelly Kovac on Beauty Matters podcast, It's A Matter Of. And by the way, this is a great podcast. I highly encourage you to subscribe to that show as well. And your regular Beauty is Your Business hosts will be back next week with a brand new episode. Enjoy.
1: This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. This episode is presented by The Woods & Co., a fully integrated marketing and communications firm with niche expertise in beauty, health, wellness, and fitness.
0: Hi, this is Rosemary Swift. I am a makeup artist and the owner of RMS Beauty, the organic color cosmetic brand. And to me, it is a matter of originality.
1: Founders are a passionate group with diverse motivations and definitions of success. I'm Kelly Kovac, founder of Beauty Matter. While the motivations for launching a brand may vary... Make no mistake, it's hard but incredibly rewarding work, even when things don't go to plan. Today's venture-backed startup landscape has raised the bar for what it takes to not only compete, but to succeed. Many brands today focus on valuations, the size of fundraising rounds, top-line numbers, and their exit plan. And that's one path. Others remain self-funded and fiercely independent, defining success on their own terms. In this paradigm, success is not based on size, but the ability to execute on your purpose, your vision, and your strategy, all while being laser-focused on profitability. Makeup artist Rosemary Swift, the founder of RMS Beauty and Clean Beauty Pioneer, is one of these fearless founders. So, Rosemary, thank you so much for taking us up on the invitation to chat today. We've never met, but I'm a huge fan of your story is so inspirational. The products are amazing. And also, we'll dig into it, but you are sort of one of the rarities of doing this sort of completely self-funded. So, so (laughs) excited to have you today. Oh, thank
0: you for inviting me. I'm very excited about this.
1: Your backstory as a professional makeup artist and the fact that a cosmetic industry related illness set you on the path to create RMS is pretty well known. But what stuck me out in kind of prepping for this was how you responded in an interview during that period. And you said, I started studying what was out there. I got pissed off. And then I started my own brand and I was like, I've never met Rosemary, but I think we're going to be friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's very typical me. I'm I'm like this mad scientist and I'm always analyzing products. And I, I was always brought up with really healthy food, you know, and I, I was obsessed with, you know, bringing organic salads to the shoot for the models. And it always asked me to get a you know, organic green juice from juice press at the time. And so I got kind of this reputation for being really involved with the girls' health and, you know, telling them what they should do. And I always wanted to do something organic because here I am working with girls that are 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. I, I kind of like to say freaks of nature because they're so perfect. And I used to always think, wow, look at after I put this makeup all on them, all they start doing is looking older. It sits on top of the skin. It starts to crease up. And I'm like... This is totally not cool. I'm a lazy makeup artist. I don't want to be retouching dried up makeup all the time. You know? And I thought, you know, i got to start doing my own thing. So I started looking at brands that were at the time your so-called, well, they actually, some of them were being labeled as organic. And I remember turning the, the, the product around and looking at the deck. And on it were the words organic, but yet there was only one organic product in the deck. And I'm like, what the hell? This is all full of chemicals still. You know, yes, yeah, some of them are natural chemicals, but some of them were downright, you know, nasty chemicals that, you know, are, are under scrutiny in the industry. And I'm like, how do they get away with having this organic? And of course, they really didn't back in those days, because this is going back quite a while. You know, I just started analyzing everything, what was out there, and started studying it. And, you know, and then I did that that website, beautytruth.com, kind of talking about the industry a little bit. And so it was it was funny. It was just like kind of hand in hand came with it. And... One of the main inspirations, I I honestly have to say, is I did so much photography that was on location. A lot of it was Victoria's Secret, which I can say that on on here, right? Of course. Good. (laughs) You can say anything you want. (laughs) i was having the time of my life man flying all over the place staying in great hotels and oh my god it was so much fun but the one thing that used to really make me mad is, is i would put makeup on them their bodies were always gorgeous i would put a little bit of hobo oil on and then i'd look at their skin on their face and you know depending on what angle they were in or how the light hit them there'd always be this slight little overcast and it always looked y. And I thought, how do I get their skin on their face to look exactly like the skin on, on you know, on their butts, so to speak, you know, <laughs> perfect, perfect skin. And the makeup was not doing it. So I started creating, you know, my 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 little uncover ups and, uh, and I got it working in the way I wanted it to work. But it really mm. did upset me, the fact that so many chemicals are added in there as flowing agents is to give it that slippy slatty feel. It's all like texture and, and, you know, fragrance that's hypnotizing you. And I thought, okay, this is, this is pissing me off.
1: <laughs> well also, you know, cause you started the brand 11 years ago. So what yes. was even possible, you know, cause I remember those kind of early um kind of natural color cosmetics that live live primarily in like crunchy granola whole food stores. And the formulations were so clunky, like they just drug and they were drying and people were like, well, but it's like, it's organic. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't work. So what's the point? It doesn't matter. 100%.
0: 100%. And a lot of them at the time, too, were minerals. Like when I was going around to the labs, they just said, well, organic is, is, is minerals. And I go, no, it's not. Minerals, for one thing, aren't even organic. For one thing, take that right out of your vocabulary. And, uh, you know, things that are organic are your oils, your seeds, your nuts, butters, herbs, all that stuff, you know. It's basically agriculture and livestock is what is certified organic here in America. And um, it was funny because... I had a friend in Canada, I'm Canadian by the way, just so you know, but I had a friend in Canada and she worked for a paint factory. And I had this idea of what to put in it. And so she started mixing it for me. We're going back and forth. And you know, I say, well, you know, the more I got into like organic, you know, the more I realized, organic was just not organic. It, there was like varying degrees of organic, just like there are varying degrees of diamonds. Just because you're buying one diamond opposed to the one that's thirty thousand dollars and one that's you know thousand dollars at some little store, that's the same thing that happens in 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 the in the, uh, the cosmetic industry and the organic industry. So you're getting quality and or good quality and bad quality of organic. And so we would do these mixtures where she would get some organic stuff in Canada, and I'd be like, I don't know, man, you know. Having coming from a raw food background, I thought there's better things, better ingredients, the way they've been harvested, the way they've been processed, and whether heat's been added. And I just, you know, I ended up getting this coconut oil that was so unbelievable, that the chemist herself said to me she could not believe the difference in the product from one organic product when she just bought normal stuff from the store compared to the stuff that I was searching out for the purity and for the the quality and you could smell the difference the texture was different the the you know it just had a completely different even the energy of the product was different
1: well i know you have sort of a thing about coconut oil yeah <laughs> <You> <laughs> see? I was I was going to talk about that later, but let's, let, what is your thing about coconut oil?
0: Well, just so you know, I, I let, I, I, I uh, let my, my, my dyed hair that I used to have, I, I let it grow out. And just before I, I came on, I, I thought, put a little bit of coconut oil in my hands and pushed, pushed it through my hair. And I thought, oh, I do have to tell them I've got coconut oil in my hair.
1: I love, I, I love the gray hair. It suits you so much. It's beautiful.
0: Well, thank you. It was kind of a shock at first, you know, but it's like, whoa, I'm gray. Hey, I, well, I, I, should, I hope to be at my age. You know, everybody always says, oh, coconut clogs the pores. Here's what I say to people, which freaks people out. I go, you are 100% correct. And they kind of look dumbfounded at me and they go, well, what do you mean? Why are you using it then? Because I don't use that kind of coconut oil. Coconut oil... It's it's such a long story. I'll make it very, very short though so we don't drag on about this because a lot of people have heard this 10 million times. Um, There's different qualities of coconut oil, as you know, but mine is not cold-pressed coconut oil. Cold-pressing still involves heat, and people don't realize. The reason I use coconut oil is because coconut oil in nature has the highest levels of lauric and caprylic acid. Now, lauric and caprylic acid are antifungal, antibacterial, antimicrobial, antiviral, obviously you know, all the rest of the healing nutrients in it. Now, what's interesting is in nature, it has the highest levels of those two ingredients, lark and caprylic acid. And do you guys know at all where the other highest ingredients are in the whole wide world? I have no idea. Human breast milk. Really? Yes. Lauric and caprylic acid. After breast milk is coconut oil. But here's the problem. The cosmetic industry loves to Cosmeticize things. That's a makeup a, a name that I made up, guys. Sorry about that, but I love to make up names. And um, and what happens is they like to heat things up to sterilize everything to make sure ooh that nothing's going to happen. They got to disinfect it. They got to they got to fractionate it. They got to hydrogenate it. There's all these 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 things that they put these poor healing ingredients into, and therefore you know in my world you're you're creating a dead product once you add that kind of heat to a product that's dead. So Rosemary, let's take a moment to look
1: back at the beauty industry a sort of a decade ago. You know, the concept of D2C brands, influencers, and the clean beauty category didn't even exist. How would you describe the beauty landscape when you decided to launch RMS? And also, what were the biggest obstacles in bringing the vision to life? Because formulations and the whole sort of realm of possibilities in, in what you could achieve in formulation was not what it is today.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a very good question. Actually. It's so funny because I remember when, when I was going to start this and I was telling some of my big makeup friends and they'd go, who the hell is going to buy organic makeup? And I just, you know, I just kind of put my head down. I go, well, somebody will, you wait and see. I'll prove it. (laughs) Anyway, so long story short, you know, I just started working on it on my own and I was very lucky to have that chemist from Canada that uh, helped me do the formulas because I'm obviously not a chemist, but I knew what I wanted in the product. And, you know, I couldn't get a lab when I first got, you know, I had my starting formulas from her and, um, as i went around to labs everybody again just wanted to push the, the the mineral makeup that was their version of organic and then they'd say well it's too hard it's too it's too time consuming was a big issue was a time it, it definitely does take longer to make than traditional cosmetics and um you know it just was a pain and I finally did find one lab that would take on the project with the starting formulas because one of the big pet peeves that the labs had was working with someone else's formula, mostly one that they didn't know what it really was. Like, what the hell is this? You know, it's got coconut oil in it. It's got, you know, shea butter and, you know, and color. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it almost seemed hippie-ish. You know, it's like, well, this isn't really a product. But again, back to the ingredients. Ingredients are, are, you know, number one. So what happened is I did find that lab. I I created the product. I slowly was getting it out there. And uh, the the, the original lab, just a funny story here, the original lab actually got closed down and uh, had a big, huge, you know, law case put against them. And uh, so I had to find another lab. And again, big difficulties. But it's funny, through all these years, the labs now are starting to really embrace some of the green industry and not laughing at it so much. Because there's a lot of brands out there now that are, are channeling clean, healthy makeup. It seems to be working. It's going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I was kind of one of the ones that kind of motivated a lot of, of brands that, that wanted to start doing that too. You know, I just kind of, I feel that I was a little bit of an influence on a lot of people because I was kind of the first one and, and I was actually the first one really mouthing off about the industry with my website. <laughs> so, you know, that, that kind of, you know, I had moments where people didn't like me. I had moments where people did like me because of, you know, my, my stance on, on the purity of products. And I don't know, I'm happy. I'm doing my thing. I'm being creative. It's working. <gasps>
1: Well, I would say that you more than influenced it. I mean, I would argue that you're one of the pioneers that sort of defined this kind of clean beauty space and definitely the concept of clean makeup. And also, you know, 11 years into it, you're still innovating the category. But, you know, I think one of the challenges, at least from the outside looking in is, or the inside looking in, I guess, I'm not so outside, but the clean product category has no Designation. I mean, it really doesn't have any meaning. At the end of the day, it's completely open to
0: interpretation. Exactly. So
1: how do you define clean beauty?
0: Oh, my God. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to honestly say I, I don't have an idea, a clue about how I'm going to define it. You know, what I can say is that, you know, when I started my brand, I regarded my brand as being very, very clean. And, um, and you know, people started doing brands also similar to mine. But now I've noticed uh, the more and more unnecessary things are getting added into. And a lot of it is to say, I hate to say this, but to save grace for the rest of the industry a little bit, you know, because, you know, we're having this whole section, let's say for a Sephora example, there's a whole section of, of, of green and clean cosmetics. And then you've got this other section, and people are going to think, wow, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with theirs then? And so they're slowly incorporating more and more chemicals that are allowed, and there's no defining or no definitive... Line down the middle, what makes clean and what makes something dirty, or whatever the words that people want to throw around, like the word toxic, which I don't like. I think it's kind of a silly word to use because it's not really toxic per se. I think that I like to call my stuff green, and I find myself saying that a lot, and I don't know why. I never really say clean. I always say green. I have a green brand, and green is more coming from Mother Earth, in my opinion. So I kind of put it in that category. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky one to maneuver, mostly if you don't know much about cosmetics and you're going out there as a newbie and and you're trying to think. Well, I want to go, you know, into a little store and I want to buy a nice product. And people are saying, "Oh, this is all organic," because what's happened is a lot of brands will say, "Oh, it's all organic," but it's not at all. So the consumer now is actually kind of being duped in some cases, and you know, with marketing and and, and advertising, and it's kind of sad, you know. I agree.
1: I mean, you know, really retailers like Credo and Sephora and recently Ulta have stepped in to fill the void. Mm-hmm. And while and you know, let's be let's be fair, they did it to help consumers navigate their assortments and exactly. look for these hot, clean brands. Exactly. But even those standards are inconsistent. And the category sort of consists of brands like RMS that walk the walk. Um, at one end of the spectrum yeah. and at the other end of the spectrum, you have, you know, opportunists that, you know, see a hot, a high growth category and they want to, you know, tap into it exactly. and they play a little free and easy with the language and claims. It's the cost of doing business if they get caught. And, you know, what do you think the future of the category is going to look like? Because at the end of the day, consumers are the ones that lose with all this confusion. Mm hmm. And it's really, it's really not, I mean, it's, it's strange to say fair, but it isn't, you know, there are, there are brands that really put in the hard work and I feel like there, there has to be a way to differentiate them, but yeah. i I certainly don't have the answer, but I think that, I think that there's technology coming out there that's going to provide sort of transparency in the supply chain and, and maybe that's going
0: to be the unlock. Oh, got it. you know, to be honest, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. But in, in my case with RMS Beauties, all I'm trying to do is do my creative thing. I'm coming from a creative avenue. You know, I, I was a makeup artist. I wanted to, you know, I, I've got a you know raw food background that I was very heavily into years ago. And I really follow that clean purity. And yes, it is being kind of bastardized a bit so to speak <laughs> and but that's okay you know because I'm just going to keep doing my thing I'm going to keep creating what I do I'm going to make myself you know tried and true so to speak you know if you want to get a product that is more you know more pop culture you know and more glitz and glam go for it but I just want to keep RMS beauty as is you know RMS right mental state you know that's how I put it <laughs> You know, I, and this sort of taps into
1: the fact that, and I I mean, I'm sure you're, you should be very proud of it, is that you've scaled this business when competitors have tapped into mounds of VC funding. Yes. You know, why have you decided to keep, you know, RMS hundred percent self-funded, which seems to be a rarity these days? I mean, I'm sure you're Inundated with inbound investment and acquisition requests, so I'm sure it would be very easy to take that path. But, but you've chosen not to.
0: Well, you know, it's 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 kind of this is kind of a tricky one because you know we kind of did this with with less focus on a huge rapid scaling efforts, you know, and more on solid growth. And I wanted to be like I'm a creative again. Back to the creative thing. I don't my vision. Does not include all this money being thrown at me, to, so we're flying through this by the you know the seat of our pants. Where th- things go wrong, and it's just too fast, too 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 many Excel sheets thrown at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's, it's got to calm down. I can't function doing something creative with that kind of, of momentum. That's really gangbusters because we all know these guys, man. They can really they can really take a brand to gangbuster territory, and um, but at the same time, I feel part of me would be lost because I am really trying to do something creative and something new and something that people have faith in and uh, that stands this you know, time. And I want my brand to be a classic brand. I'm not in a hurry. And you know, I, I, I tend to throw this in every once in a while. It's kind, of, it's kind of sad to say, but it's true. What I'm saying here is, you know, I don't have kids, I don't have anybody to give my money to, so I'm not in a hurry for anything. I don't want a private jet. You know, it's just not my thing. So, you know, for me to take on big, huge investors, and believe me, they've come to us and we've talked to them and, you know, got to know some. I really need to know that somebody's into what I'm doing. and is not going to say, oh, get up, get rid of the coconut oil and put in, you know, I don't know, some other cheap oil. Um, and, and I just want it focused on where I want to leave and when I leave this lifetime, you know, I want to make sure that that my brand has a reputation of being what I wanted it to be, not what some flash in the pan, you know, source of income for everybody else, but myself.
1: (laughs) Well, no, you know, it, it is, it's how businesses used to be built. And I, I think that building, building brands organically You know, nothing happens quickly. I think, and I think one of the things that has been a big takeaway for me um, kind of through the past 10 months is that brands that were kind of a little old school in their approach, the heritage brands, are weathering the storm almost. Intuitively better mm-hmm. than some of these venture backed high flying brands because at the end of the day, you know who you are. You don't have to sort of second guess your decision
0: making because it's so ingrained with what you do every day. Exactly. Very, very, very true. You know, and it's funny because because we've taken the time and the energy to just slow down. We're, 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 you know, we're into quality. We're also spending the time on getting the right people working for us, whether it's on a part-time basis or a full-time basis, you know, like really good marketing people, getting really good photographers to help out with things. And we're just not, like I said, flying by the seat of our pants. We just want to just establish this, you know, strength. And, uh, you know, res- and being respected. And you're right. I, I do find that some of these older brands that have all of a sudden appeared out of the blue, and I'm not going to name names, they've got, they've got a really good standing power.
1: As a brand, the relationships you build with top tier media and influencers is an integral part to a brand's success. Growing brand awareness and garnering strategic partnerships can open doors to retail opportunities and endorsement from decision makers. The Woods & Co. is a fully integrated marketing and communications firm with niche expertise in beauty, health, wellness, and fitness. Their full-time in-house team works with brands from ideation of strategy to execution while nurturing long-term meaningful strategic relationships. For more information, visit thewoodsandco.com for their services and a list of clients. If you've been in business, you know, a decade, you've gone through tough times before and Listen, you know, the past 10 months are, are, not, are definitely not like the, the recession in 2008. But if you've managed through sort of crises before, it becomes a little less reactionary because you know, you know, got to conserve cash. You kind of have a little bit of visibility to what might be coming around the corner.
0: Well, you know, I'm coming from old school. My mother, my mother uh, would always say, save your money, save your money. And I remember friends laughing at me in New York. What do you mean you don't <laughs> want to get a car service? I said, hell, you guys go uptown and on, on, take a car and I'll be on the subway. I'll be up there half an hour before you guys. That's my kind of thinking. And I, with the brand, I always wanted to make sure there was money for, you know, for the times when things were going to get bad. A lot of brands don't operate that way. And, you know, yes, it is old school, but it's, it's working for us. You know, when this the, the COVID hit, you know, we're still sailing right through. We we, we we even kept on our part-time people. Everybody got paid. Nobody was laid off because we were prepared for this. And we didn't have to frantically go, oh, my God, we need money, you know, and sell out my brand. So in a way, I'm really glad my mother brought me up with that kind of mentality and that I could, you know, have a, well, what do you, saving, saving, what do they say? Save your money for a rainy day? I yeah. definitely did that. You know, and it's funny because sometimes when we tell, you know, when we show our, 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 our paperwork to the investors, they're yes. kind of in shock that we're actually making a profit. And another thing is, is, is we don't need to be fancy schmancy. You know, I, I remember years ago going into an office of a brand new brand in New York and I they were, they were going to like sponsor me for, for, you know, giving credit for makeup in the magazines. And I walked in, and it was like, whoa, 20,000 square feet. Whoa, beautiful girls everywhere. That must have cost them a fortune. Of course, they're not around anymore. And it was a good brand. It's really sad. People get very hung up on the, the fancy aspect of it, you know, the show-off aspect of it. And, like, you know, I don't need to show off. I'm just doing my thing, just doing my thing. That's it. I'm happy.
1: Well, Rosemary, I think you should just keep doing your thing because it's <laughs> working. <laughs>
0: Like I said, I'm a creative man. It's so funny because sometimes when I, when I was asked to do this with you, Kelly, I was like, oh my God, I can't talk about that stuff. I don't know all about the money stuff and all the business stuff. (laughs) No,
1: you know, but I, I think at the end it's, you know, that is the beauty for me about founders is the, is the honesty, um, you know, I'm I you know, I've started brands as well and when all of these venture-backed brands were were kind of raising all this money and these crazy valuations and I'm like, I know I don't have an MBA, but I know how to keep the lights on and get people paid and these yes. numbers don't add up.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Love that. You know,
1: it's like, I call it Kelly math, you know, it's like, I know how to keep the lights on and uh, get everyone paid, but.
0: Can I use that
1: word? Keep the lights on. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I want to go back to, um, to kind of the positioning and, and these clean green claims and, you know, I think the, on the formulation side, we've definitely made way more progress than we have on the packaging side. You know, and, the, and they kind of, at least from um, a perception, go hand in hand because how can you have a clean brand and, and not think about kind of the packaging? But listen, let's be honest. The beauty industry has been a big part of the plastic problem, but innovation just hasn't been there. And it's happening so much slower than product formulation but it does feel like we're making progress but it remains complicated and nuanced um i know sustainable packaging is one of your initiatives as a brand can you share a
0: little bit about how you're tackling it well when i started i you know i would go around to these these companies that are you know do their packaging and and i'm like Guys, if you send me one more piece of plastic, I'm going to freak out. I want glass. I want little, little glass like in the 50s. And I don't want it sprayed because when it's sprayed, they're not recyclable. People don't realize that because it's all chemicals. And and I ended up getting uh, acid etching on my glass, which I still do to this day. Yeah, there's issues with that also. But the thing with the whole sustainability and getting new, modern approaches to this is these huge companies aren't up to par. You guys still there? Yes. Okay. And um, um, you know, if somebody does come out with something good, who does it go to? It's going to go to the big L'Oréals or the Estée Lauder's, you know, because they can buy millions of them. The smaller brands can't. They're not buying things in the tens of millions. And uh, um, you know, you have to figure out how the smaller brands are going to get noticed by these companies that are. that are doing all the plastics. Now, what I found out the other day is the plastic companies are making more money than they ever have. There isn't a lot of money in there, and they don't really care. People get mad at us online. People are saying, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? We are not a packaging company. We are a cosmetic brand. We can only do what we can do by bitching. And we've been bitching so much and, you know, they're starting to listen for sure. But again, when they do come up with something, believe me, we've looked at a lot of stuff and there's still issues with it, mostly when it comes to ingredients being on the product for how long it's going to last. You know, whether it's compostable, whether it's recyclable, whether it's post-consumer recyclable, there's so many things to look at. And they still aren't there, and they're not putting. I'm going to be honest. I think that they're not putting enough energy into it because I think a lot of these big, huge companies don't care. There's too many shareholders. There's too much, you know, pressure to make that money that they made last year. And you know, there will be definitely a, a drop in finances when it comes to you know uh, um, uh, research and development for for these kind of products. So right now, it's really basic what we can do. You know, we are coming out, you know, because we really pay attention to this, actually. My girls are really on top of this. So we're coming out with a, a, um, actually, I don't think I can even say. We're coming coming out with something. Something's (laughs) coming. (laughs) It's going to be very, very new. And we're kind of excited about it. We had it actually made for us. We've been working on it for years. So, you know, there's a few little issues coming up here and there. But, you know, when this comes out, this is going to be major. But right now we've been lucky just with our little glass pots. This is why my brand lasted so long and why I could do it without the financing because I had my uncover ups were in it, my eyeshadows were in it, like my eye polishes, you know, my lip to cheeks were in it, my luminizers were in it. So hey man, that just saved me tons on packaging and it was recyclable.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the the packaging, it's one of those conversations that it becomes incredibly divisive because, you know, there are people who are are brands that are, I think, well-intentioned, but it comes off as kind of calling people out. And I just, I, I feel like they're Anytime I have a packaging conversation, it ends with, well, it depends. And it really does. You know, for some people, for some people, glass doesn't make sense because of the weight of shipping and the carbon footprint. I mean, there are so many things that come into the sustainability question that go beyond sort of just the material. It's so complicated.
0: Oh, it's um, more complicated than you can ever imagine. And, yeah. and what's going to make it worse is what I'm going to tell you right now. They don't recycle. Everybody no. thinks stuff's being recycled. Nothing's being recycled, very little. No, because very, there's very not little. a market for it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think I, I think there's a lot of innovation happening and it's happening in schools, in kind of yes. master's and doctorate programs. So you have these very cool technologies, but they haven't been commercialized. And as a small brand, you're not going to be the one to commercialize it. You don't have the volume, but you also can't take the risk. So there's got to be there's got it someone's got to step up and kind of move things forward, and there are some like Colgate has done things around sort of making toothpaste tubes recyclable and one of the things I do find sort of encouraging is there's this willingness to open source information that has never existed before because we've always been the super top secret kind of industry of proprietary knowledge but all of a sudden people are willing to share when they unlock things about a new sustainable solution or or product which i think is encouraging It's the only way we'll solve
0: the problem it's it's 100% encouraging you know um you know there's a whole new generation out there of all these kids that are really really obsessed with this it's usually the older generation you know they're starting to i think change their minds a little bit but you know a lot of us have you know we didn't pay attention to things like that in our era and uh these young, young kids really care about what's going on with the world and in the earth and mother nature. And they they tend to care. But you know, it's still we have to influence the consumer, the normal consumer out there, to not just throw their product just in the garbage or to rinse it out. Because I, you know, I also found out too, you gotta rinse things out, you gotta take labels off and all this. And I found out too that here, I, I'm in Savannah right now because I, I I um I love it down here, but they, they, I found out the other day that even if one piece of Pyrex glass gets in a big huge shipment of recyclable glass, it has to be thrown away because the Pyrex explodes. I didn't know that. Most people would never know this stuff. The more research you do, the more kind of sad it gets. So we got to just, you know, everybody's got to pay their share in all of this on 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 it, not just, you know, relying on, you know, RMS Beauty to come up with something or Estee Lauder to come up with something. It's got to be a bigger picture. And, and these uh, big, huge manufacturing companies, they got to start paying more attention, I think, because if you look at where all the manufacturing companies are, they're kind of all doing the same thing. Do you know what I yeah. mean?
1: Yeah. And I think I think the manufacturing companies are often a source of a lot of the misinformation that finds its way to the consumer. But, you know, because this stuff gets very technical very fast. And as a founder, if you give a brief to your supplier, you know, you kind of take the information that they give you as truth. And sometimes it's veiled in truth. Um, so I think there's got to be more transparency and yeah, these big packaging companies need to make the investment. If they make the investment, there's a market for it. Oh, hundred percent.
0: For sure. It will fly, but you know, it's still in its new stages. So I think it's still going to be a bit of time, but as long as these, you know, some brands are out there, in fact, hopefully most of them, I think are really realistically thinking about changing their, their, uh, their past packaging, so to speak, we had a beautiful um, set of pack, uh, packaging for our luminizing powders. It was made out of acrylic, absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And uh, we found out that acrylic can't even be recycled. So we've had now to discontinue all of those, but we kind of had them as a, as a, as a little showpiece that so you could keep on your counter and put jewelry in, or, you know, your spare change or whatever, your little chlorella tablets for traveling. Right. But, you know, again, it was really sad because, you know, acrylic doesn't scratch and it, it just always looks beautiful. And, and we can't even do that now. Display units too. If you think yeah, it I know all <laughs> those display units, man, and, and it has to be new every every cycle or every quarter, so something new that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I want to talk about. You know, you're talk. You you were talking about kind of the the passion of this new generation for sustainability. I know that um, you have a new role as a mentor at SCAD for the beauty division. And I also know that you, I mean, you mentioned that you're in Savannah, so I'm curious how you arrived in Savannah and why you decided to make it your home. It is a beautiful city, but, you know, it, it. It. although I did read in the New York Times, it is becoming a little bit of a hotbed for clean beauty, but it's not necessarily the the first city that comes to mind when you think of a beauty brand.
0: Exactly. Well, you know, interestingly enough, I came down here with Louis Vuitton years and years ago and... um we, we were very fortunate to, to be able to shoot at some amazing houses and, and plantations and that. So I, I, I just freaked out. I totally freaked out when I got here because I thought, you know, I had this little spooky element to me. I like that little bit of that haunting, hauntingly gorgeous stuff on the dark side. And this city has all of that, you know. And not only that, you can buy a big, huge house for next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did, and I, you know, I could run away and hide. I love it down here. And they had SCAD had their big beauty event. Um, I think I guess it was about a year and a half ago, where they had like Linda Wells was there, and a few other brands, Milk, and uh, some other people. One of the guys from Estee Lauder, I forget his name. He's a very fabulous guy. And um, they had a big, huge beauty event, and they asked me to speak with everybody. So I got to know the the head beauty lady, who's Melanie. And um, we became friends. And so one thing led up to another. She asked me to come in a couple of times to her classes. You know, I would critique some of the things that we're doing and give them some different ideas because I think what happens sometimes with students when they're getting mentored or when they're hearing stories from podcasts and things like that, everybody's so positive. I tend to have a little bit of a negative thing. Actually, no, it's not a negative thing. It's a reality check. I am known for a reality check, and um they that's one of the reasons they they liked my approach to to when I speak to the the kids and I love the kids they they have so much enthusiasm and they're so creative and uh yeah, I am so glad I got this 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 mentorship but um yeah it's 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 it's, it's a fabulous city they're free to do everything they want down here and and create their art form and and the school is probably a very beautiful school. Um, historically, if you look at the buildings they mm-hmm. have down here, it's gorgeous. Anyway, yeah. So here I am. I'm gonna. I start January first. Will be my first one, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I've heard a lot. February 1st, sorry, February 1st.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot about the program. And I mean, obviously, just the design talent that comes out of the school is really, really impressive. So I think there needs to be more and more beauty programs in in kind of secondary education because it is sort of a unique industry. And this, there's only a handful of them in the country that I know of.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because um, I was speaking to Melanie the other day, and she said that the beauty sector that, they're, that they've created down here is just booming. Really? classes are booming. And, uh, you know, this is saying that there is a thirst for, for this this uh, industry, for young people to learn, to learn about marketing and, you know, social media and uh, design. And it's 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 a very positive thing for young people rather than having to go and, you know, become doctor, lawyer kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, keep the parents happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, to be creative, you know, not forcing them to do something they don't want to do. It's a it's a great opportunity to come down here in this beautiful city.
1: Yeah. And you know, I I at least for me, you know, when I kind of fell into the beauty industry by accident, but it was, you know, it all of a sudden I was in this situation where I realized that I could be re- very creative, but also run a business, which I didn't even know that was an option um so you know i I think that's what enamored me with the beauty industry and you know why it felt so natural is kind of the the intersection
0: of the business and the creative. Well, you know, what's really cool down here, too, is the fact that we can hire the kids down here to be interns. We've actually even hired our interns to actually come and work for us because my company runs out of Charleston. I just like Savannah. I found my the house I wanted. So I stayed in Savannah. It's not far. It's like an hour and a half, two hours drive with my driving. It's an hour and a half because I always speed. It's I'm a naughty girl. Um, <laughs> I keep getting tickets. But um, yeah, so we got some great, great. Kids from the school, you know, when they when they graduate, they're now working for us. We've got quite a few of them, and I know Absolutely. some other other companies, Estee Lauder's, you know, using a lot of them also and offering them opportunities.
1: That's fantastic. I have one last question. We're in a really interesting time. I mean, it's difficult for sure, but there's also so much opportunity because I think that, you know, listen, you know, crisis and chaos create opportunities and, and creative people are usually the ones who solve the problems.
0: You know, what do you think the future of the beauty industry holds? I think the beauty industry is going to go through a lot of changes, a lot. And I think a lot of, this is going to sound terrible, but I think a lot of brands are going to die out and and it might be even some of the bigger ones that are least expected to die out. Um, And here's why the young people want something new. They want something exciting. They want to feel like they're part of, of a brand. And um, sometimes I think it's time for, oh, God, I'm going to get into so trouble saying this. The dinosaurs, they need <laughs> to become extinct, you know, and, 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 you know, I hope I'm not a dinosaur. I think I've excluded myself from that category because of the fact that I'm doing, you know, clean and green makeup, so to speak. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of changes and I do think it's going to get cleaner and cleaner. It's going to, it has to, it has yes. to, there's too much research coming out on, on ingredients and there's too much scrutiny on some of these ingredients that really, you know, is something that you're not just going to push off to the side and not pay attention to anymore. The big companies have been able to do that for a long, long time. I don't think they're going to be able to anymore because the young consumers smart they're becoming very smart and they're asking questions. Sometimes they ask too many questions, but <laughs> they are asking questions. And some of them are brilliant questions. It's not silliness. And, you know, they want to learn. They have a thirst for this. And I, I really think, you know, the, the beauty industry will change. I don't know exactly how. Um, well, obviously, it's going to be cleaner cosmetics and cleaner packaging, more sustainable. But I think there are, there are definitely going to go through some changes.
1: I agree. I you know, I am a little obsessed with Gen Z. I yes. am fascinated by them. Yes. They are they are they are like wise beyond their years. Yes. Um, it's it is and and I really do think they are gonna be the ones that solve these big problems that sort of older generations have created. And you know, one of the things I think is I think the brands that are going to make it through and are going to be like those next iconic brands are the ones where there are teams of multiple generations working together, you know, from Gen Z to boomers, where you can actually be at a conference table and have a conversation without eye rolls because there's so much to learn from one another. So I, I mean, I'm really excited for, for kind of what's in store for the beauty industry, but I am, I do think it's going to be driven by, by Gen Z.
0: I, you know, I agree with you 100%. You know, I'm, a, I'm an astrologer too, right? I didn't. Yeah. I'm a professional astrologer. I've been doing astrology since I've been 15 and I've, I'm like, I'm hurraying big time for the Gen Z. They're one, they're the ones that are going to come in and clean it up because they have, they have a great sense of logic. Yes, and somehow I feel logic is dead nowadays. I don't know what's going on, but there's no sense of logic. And these young kids have more logic than some of the people I know that are very, you know, well educated. And these young kids have more. In fact, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm doing all these little photo shoots in my house. because It's the perfect place with the lighting and everything and the different rooms to go into. And I'm inviting these kids for lunch, you come over for dinner, we go to a restaurant. I Uh realized, oh my God, I'm a baby boomer. I'm hanging around with all these Gen Zers. It's like, there's no, there's, I feel there's no age gap. They're thirsty to learn. They don't reject whatever you say, which a lot of of, of the younger generations do tend to reject. Once they see your old, game over. Um, And I, I'm really, really thriving on their, their creativity. You know, we'll do a video and I'll kind of like go in there directing a little bit, you know, and, and they just say, Oh no, I got it. I know what to do. And so I just leave them alone and yeah. I let them go and edit on their own. Cause they, they want to do it themselves. They take, they take very, very strong action on, on determining that it's their space. And I let them and they send me back a video. I'm going, Holy shit. Is that ever good? Yeah.
1: I mean, they're natural content creators. Like it is, they don't think
0: about it. They just do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really enjoying my time down here with them because there's a lot of them around. There's a whole new, new, uh, new classes starting and I'm glad I've got the Gen Zs that I'll be, I'll be mentoring. (laughs)
1: Uh, That's it. I think mentoring is so, I mean, it's so important. I always find it so fulfilling. And I, I, sometimes I feel like I get more out of it than I give. So it's, it's a selfish pursuit sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm learning about myself too, listening to them. It really opens up your, your, your thinking.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time today. And Ooh. I hope that you'll keep us in the loop for whatever whatever launch you have coming in the future that you weren't supposed to talk about.
0: (laughs) It's not so far away. It's not so far away.
1: All right. Well, you'll have to let us know.
0: Kelly, it was really, really nice. I really enjoyed this. Such an honor, Rosemary. Thank you so much. You too. For Rosemary,
1: it's a matter of originality. Creative minds often view the world through a different lens They're not confined by the status quo, but live in a visionary world of possibilities. While Rosemarie is the embodiment of a creative, she's also fearless in her willingness to challenge the beauty industry, to do better and to be better. She confronts challenges, and most importantly, she leads by example with tough love and collaboration. A cosmetic industry-related illness set her on the path to create RMS which has become the origin story for many clean beauty brands. But for RMS, it was just the impetus, not what has defined the brand's DNA. The industry may have caught up with Rosemary's visionary thinking about what beauty products could and should be. But 11 years later, RMS is not only one of the pioneers that helped define the white space, they continue to innovate a category with no real designation. The expectation of clean may have become table stakes, but remains completely open to interpretation and rife with misinformation. Rosemarie and RMS not only talk the talk, they walk the walk on their own terms, driven by passion and constant evolution. So in the end, it's a matter of originality. I'm Kelly Kovac. See you next
0: time. Hi, this is Rosemary. And to me, what matters is originality, doing it my way, step by step, and never taking no for an answer.
1: It's a Matter of is a production of Beauty Matter LLC. You can find more content and insights on beautymatter.com and follow us on social media at Beauty Matter Official. This is Mouth Media Network, the biz-